Friends, it's so good to be with you this morning. We have just heard the scripture from the Gospel of Matthew that recounts Jesus' call to discipleship to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew who were fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Of course, in biblical times, there are many stories about fishing and fish because fishing was a common occupation at that time. So there's Jonah and the whale. That's quite a fish story. Jesus feeding the 5,000 with two fishes and loaves. And then there's a story about the coin found in the fish's mouth that paid for Simon Peter and Jesus' temple taxes. But this morning, we are looking at the scripture about Jesus' call to discipleship to fish for people. It's interesting that as early as the first century, Christians used a secret symbol of a fish for identifying themselves to other persecuted believers. The Greek word for that representation of a fish is ichthys, ichthys. That is actually an acrostic from the first letters of the Greek words meaning Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, ichthys. Now you can relax because that's the only time I'm going to be speaking Greek this morning. Now when threatened by Roman oppression, Christians used this fish symbol to mark a meeting place or to distinguish friends from foes. If a Christian met a stranger on the road, then that Christian might draw with his foot one arc of the fish outline. Then if the stranger drew in the dirt, the other arc of that fish outline, then both believers knew they were in good company. So the fish was an important symbol to identify believers even in the beginning of Christ's movement. Now when Jesus recruited Peter and Andrew to be his disciples, they left their nets to fish for people. And we've got to ask ourselves, what were they thinking? At that time, Jesus seemed to be just one of the many itinerant rabbis in the region. They had no idea who Jesus would eventually reveal himself to be. That came later. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And it was Peter who declared what we now call the gospel message. And then Jesus declared that Peter's understanding of who he was, the Christ, the son of the living God, would be the rock on which the good news would stand, Christ's church. In the generations of followers since Peter, we've had varying degrees of success in building Christ's church. We struggle sometimes with the charge to share the good news of Christ. Today, researchers are telling us that fewer and fewer people are hearing and responding to the call to become a follower of Jesus. And we wonder, how can we change this trend? We are all too aware that many of us grew up in a church that has changed. It is no longer the center of society, the hub of family life, the place where you're expected to be on Sunday mornings. Instead, we see too many of our churches declining in participation and sadly, even the closing of some. Yes, we all know that the pandemic certainly had an impact on attendance, but that's not the whole story. 
For many of us, Jesus' mandate to go and make disciples of all nations simply has not been in the forefront of our behavior. We have not fished for people. By the way, I, I really do like the topic of fishing. This may come as a surprise to most of you who know me, but that's because I actually enjoy fishing. I find it provides an interesting tension between relaxing and yet staying alert to the possibility of a fish tugging on my line. I do have my own fishing rod and my own tackle box, which is engraved with my name. Thank you very much. I knew you'd be impressed. Now, even though I have my own fishing equipment, I confess I'm not very good at fishing because fishing takes education. It takes practice. Hence, when I have gone fishing, I have caught numerous tree branches and drowned a lot of worms. And if I had fish stories to tell, they would have to be about the ones that got away or never showed up in the first place. But fishing has always been enjoyable, fishing with my husband and with friends. It's kind of like fishing with your fishing buddies. Fishing buddies in a fishing village. And when you think about it, wasn't that what Jesus had? He created a fishing village of 12 men who walked along beside him, drawing people in and eventually reaching out to the world with a message of hope and reconciliation. And when we look at what Jesus said and did when he fished for Peter and Andrew, when he called them to leave their nets to follow him and to fish for people, when we really look at Jesus' words, we discover that Jesus had some basic fishing skills. First of all, Jesus approached Peter and Andrew on a personal level. Since he was talking to fishermen, he described fishing, he described evangelism as fishing in a term that they understood. He found a common ground, a common language with those seasoned professional fishermen. That language, that appeal to them required an understanding of who he was talking to what those men loved doing, what those men did every day. In other words, Jesus found a way to connect with them. Recently, a friend shared with me that it was pretty sad that she didn't know the accomplishments of a mutual friend who had passed. And my friend said, we have to wait till somebody dies and read their obituary before we know their history. That's a sad statement, but very often a true statement because we don't take the time to really know someone. When we talk to people, are we making an effort to connect with them, to hear their story, to hear about their news, their family, their projects? Or are we just interested in telling them about us, our plans, our interests, our family? In other words, are our conversations about us or about them? I think when we begin by really listening to people and then showing an authentic interest in them, then our own journey can be shared 
and heard. And that's especially true about our faith journey. So yes, Jesus connected with Peter and Andrew. Another fishing skill we see in Jesus' approach to those disciples is the way he offered a vision beyond the humdrum of their ordinary daily lives, something bigger than themselves. They dropped their nets to fish for people, leaving everything they had ever known because Jesus cast a powerful vision. We can cast a vision. We can inspire others to see that life can be much more than a daily grind, that life can be much more beautiful when we are connected to God's plan of hope and joy and abundance. Now, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I came that you might have life. Say it with me. I came that you might have and have it more abundantly. But as our mindset, a mindset, of abundance and joy. Oh, I know it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be distressed. It's even easy to be depressed. The daily news, including dire warnings about our economy, can certainly contribute to a scarcity mentality. Friends, in our everyday interactions, with others. Would our conversations and our outlook inspire someone to say, oh, I'd like to be like him, or I want what she's got? Or would it just give them the impression that a Christian's perspective is no different from anyone else's? And that reminds me of a quote. Her face was so sour, face cream would have curdled. <laughs> Ladies, have we seen that image in our mirrors lately? Yeah. And guys, you're not exempt from this observation. You can also have a pretty sullen, angry face, especially if your golf game has not gone well or your favorite team has lost its game or if you're on I-75 behind a left lane Larry. So we all might want to memorize a prayer of supplication. Dear God, so far today, I have done okay. I've not gossiped or lost my temper. I've not been grumpy, greedy, mean, selfish, or indulgent. But in a few minutes, God, I'm probably going to need your help because I'm about ready to get out of bed. Yes. <laughs> our face, our spirits, our words, do they poison the fishing waters or do they convey hope and joy and abundance through Christ. As a child, I was blessed to have great parents and a wonderful extended family. I especially benefited from the love of a great uncle and a great aunt who were like grandparents. Now, Aunt Ophelia and Uncle Elmer, and those are old-fashioned names, aren't they? Aunt Ophelia and Uncle Elmer lived in a tiny little house. They didn't have much money but I never thought of them as being poor because they had a mindset of abundance, an abundance of faith and an attitude of gratitude. Their faith had a tremendous influence on me and their attitude of joy and abundance was their witness. In essence, they cast a vision for me. When Jesus recruited his disciples, he cast a vision. He was saying to those fishermen, there's more to life. There's a higher calling. Come, follow me. I wonder what he would say to us. 
There's more to life than the latest decorating trends on Pinterest. Come, follow me. There's more to life than your social media. Come, follow me. There's more to life than your job or your career. Come, follow me. There's more to life than checking off your to-do list. Come, follow me. When we fish for people, we need to cast a vision for there is work to be done. There's justice to be had. There is hope to be given. There's love to be shared. Looking back, I'm sure we would all agree that the last few years have been pretty brutal for just about everybody. The medical community was overwhelmed. Businesses and schools closed and churches closed their doors to in-house worship so as to prevent the spread of COVID. Now, thankfully, many churches, including Peachtree, live streamed their services. But I admit that for me, during that time, worship, and especially communion, felt strange because I was not surrounded by my brothers and sisters in Christ. I know, I know, where two or three are gathered in his name, God is there, but still, I missed my faith community, and I know many of you did as well. Yes, to say that the growth of our faith communities was significantly and negatively impacted would be a gross understatement. Our churches have suffered through these COVID times, but now, now, it's time to restart. It's time to regroup. It's time to grow. Now I know, thankfully, many have continued to come to worship in our, in our church buildings. I'm happy to see each and every one of you this morning. And some continue to worship from their homes. However, I fear some have dropped out altogether from our faith communities. I suspect this is especially true for those who have experienced great loss, including for some significant financial loss, loss of community, and tragically, loss of loved ones. I'm grateful that many of our churches have the technology to offer an, an alternative to in-house worship, especially for those whose, whose health requires that they stay at home. However, in our churches, there are a lot of empty pews. The growth of our faith community seems to have stalled for most of our churches while we have seen the rise of unrest, violence, and polarization in our world. So many people are angry. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know this. But you also know from your own experience that the church can help. Now, I love the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. I love it for many reasons. I love it because it is open to diverse interpretations of the scriptures. I love it because it focuses on the fundamentals of being a Christian. Let me remind you of our identity. We are Disciples of Christ, a movement for unity among all Christians. As part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table just as God welcomes all of us. Our vision, we seek to be a faithful, growing church that demonstrates 
true community, a deep Christian a spirituality, and a passion for justice. And our mission is to be and to share the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, witnessing, loving, serving from our doorsteps to the ends of the earth. The Christian church, Disciples of Christ, has a powerful identity, vision, and mission. Now, I believe more than ever, this is the time for healing, for wholeness, to embrace our faith, to embrace our churches, to embrace our denomination, and to respond to the call of evangelism. But let's be honest. The word evangelism scares us. It does. We want to tell others about Christ, but we don't like feeling uncomfortable. We'll have to articulate our faith. We'll need to talk about forgiveness of sin and the promise of life after death. And no one wants to even think about one's own sin and death, much less talk about it. What if they take offense? What if I turn them off? What if they stop being my friend? The famous English preacher Charles Spurgeon said the following, Jesus did not say, follow me because of what you already are, or follow me because you may make something of yourselves. Instead, Jesus said, follow me because of what I will make you. Christ's words mean that when we follow him, he's with us. He will make us fishers of people. Hallelujah. What a relief to know that when we fish for people, it's not just up to us. Now, we've talked about how Jesus fished. He connected with people on a level they understood. He cast a vision of a higher calling. He called those 12 disciples to be fishers of people, and they grew into a fishing village that became a worldwide movement of believers. We have a calling. We have a mandate to continue Christ's movement, to introduce others to Christ, that they might grow in their faith and know the joy of belonging to a faith community. But how do we do that? Has it been a while since we have shared the steps of salvation? Can we quickly recall those five life-changing verbs Admit, repent, believe, receive, confess. Admit you're a sinner. Repent of your sins. Believe that Jesus is the Christ and he died on the cross for your forgiveness of sins. Receive Jesus into your heart, into your life, and confess to others that Jesus is your Savior. Maybe we need to practice sharing those steps of salvation. Maybe we need to practice articulating why we believe Jesus is our Savior. Maybe we need to articulate what Jesus has done in our own lives. For 25 plus years, I was blessed to be minister of children and youth here at Peachtree. And I remember well our pastor's membership retreats, which were designed to introduce and reinforce the gospel message to our children in a fun and loving environment. And during the course of those overnighters, we had food, games, crafts, and of course, lessons. 
And over the years, I found that providing visuals with those lessons made a huge difference in the children's interest and their understanding. Visuals make a difference for us adults as well. And that makes me realize we don't always have to use words when we witness. Do you routinely wear your cross jewelry? Do you sometimes wear a hat or an article of clothing that has a Christian symbol on it or a scripture? Does your car have a Christian decal on it? Do you have items in your home that reflect your faith? Do you have a keychain that has a biblical quote on it? A visual can spark questions, especially with someone who is questioning or searching. In other words, our witness can be multifaceted. The name of this sermon is Let's Fish or Cut Bait, but after consulting several sources, I found that that phrase actually has two meanings. First definition, to proceed with an activity or abandon it altogether. In other words, let's get busy fishing or give up fishing. But there's a second meaning to decide either to fish or to assist in fishing by cutting the bait. Let me say that again. To decide either to fish or to assist in fishing by cutting the bait. In other words, to, to fish as a shared responsibility. Are there friends who would commit to fish with you, friends who would be your fishing buddies, faithful men and women who would think creatively and strategically on how to share your faith inside and outside the church. I'm fond of acronyms. And so I was thinking about different acronyms for the word fish. The first one I thought of was Friends in service to him. It's okay. And then I thought of another one, another acronym. Friends inspiring sharing hearts. It kind of has a warm, fuzzy feel to it. But the acronym for fish that I really like is friends intentionally sharing him. Yes, I like that one. Friends intentionally sharing him. Consider, what is the special gift you will bring to the fishing village to intentionally share him? Mentorship? Hospitality? Will you be inviting a friend or a co-worker to church? Will you be taking a visitor to lunch? Will you be teaching a Bible study, leading, leading a prayer group? singing at nursing homes, knitting prayer shawls for the sick, providing welcome baskets to newborn. Will you be volunteering for our new respite ministry? The possibilities are endless. Will you serve in the background, cutting bait, or will you be in the foreground actively fishing? Sisters and brothers, it's time to follow Christ. It's time to fish for people. Let's fish and Cut the bait.